This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Let me clarify, because that yo was not for the Phillies. It was a happy anniversary yo to Jack and Jill. Happy anniversary. The Phillies deserve a, a yo. That's the or a yo. That's it. I <laughs> I hope you had a wonderful anniversary dinner, Jack. I hope you and Jill had a wonderful one year celebration for your anniversary. But the Phillies suck, and I'm pissed off, Jack. Well, they ruined it. I mean, they always. <laughs> oh man. They always find a way. No, but do you remember? Do you remember this time last year? Uh, we were all. I mean, you were there. How could I forget what a, what a special evening it was, Jack? For those who don't know, actually had a really nice wedding. Yeah, it was it. pretty. It was pretty classy. When you listen to me talk, you're like, "Oh, this guy's," you know. Oh yeah, you would have thought total <laughs> d bag had a d bag type wedding. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, people forget that Pavetta was pitching up in Toronto on this day. <laughs> oh man! And he got yeah. shelled. Yeah, should we just start there and then get to it? Or do you want to just get it out? I mean. The the I mean, not since Tom Kelly turned on Game of Thrones has someone turned on their former love like you have turned on Nick Pavetta. Well, listen, here's the thing is that I am a I am an eye test guy and I just when I see something, I can't I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be dishonest to the people. I'm not going to be give them things that I don't actually believe. I mean, James, this whole podcast is predicated and we've never lied to the high, to the high hopes people, and, while, and never yes, will, and never will, Jack, and never will lie to the high hopes people. I still think Nick Nick Pavetta is going to be good. I think at, oh, at some point he's unwavering. Going to, it is really something. The, here's the thing: is that he's just too talented to be as bad as he is, which is the, which is the frustrating part. But like right now, there's no reason for him to really be in the big leagues. Like I'm fine with it. I I understand people want me to overreact this and freak out. This spin is amazing. Um, it's yeah. No, you know what? Not only am I fine with it, it's probably the best thing for him right now. This is for Nick to make him better, and it's the right move. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. The, he seems like <laughs> he seems like a guy. He seems like a guy that needs to be embarrassed and to to eventually motivate him. And if this is the best way to do it, it's the best way to do it. He deserves it. Like, he absolutely deserves it. It's not, again, I'll say this until I'm red in the face because for some reason people, like, they love seeing Nick Pavetta fail because it thinks they, it invalidates me, which infuriates me. But regardless, like, me believing in Nick Pavetta is not the problem. The Phillies thought that Nick Pavetta was going to be their number two starter this year. So they did not make moves this offseason to upgrade from Nick Pavetta. That's an actual problem. Me believing in Nick Pavetta is not a problem. That is a huge, huge problem when we're, when we're looking at where this team is at right now. Like, we're looking at Jason Vargas as our number two right now. Vince Velasquez was our number three at one point. Like, hmm. like them believing so much in Nick Pavetta being this guy is ultimately going to be the downfall of this Phillies team this year. Yeah, it's actually a great point. And somehow, some way, you've made a... a great point while somehow diverting blame from you to the Phillies. It was a really well-crafted, impressive thing that you've done, but 
I, I mean, the heart of your point is definitely true. Like, ultimately, who cares what you had to say about Nick Pavetta? Who cares if you believed in this guy? The fact that the Phillies counted on this guy to take a big step forward to be essentially their number two starter this year for all intents and purposes from a talent and production perspective, I mean, that's a much that's a big issue. That is a big issue because this kid, especially for, for you to call out Nick Pavetta and, and call for a breakout or whatever, it's based on what you see, you know, the eye test, the, you know, what you can see him do and stuff, not the numbers. You don't know Nick Pavetta. They know Nick Pavetta. They should have known that this guy is 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 just has no toughness. He has no fortitude. Like he is not someone who you can rely on to go out and take the ball in what is the among the most you know mentally tough positions in all of sports to play, where you need to go out there and outthink your opponent and out execute your opponent and not let mistakes by other people bring you down i mean and that's like the the that's the definition of who nick pavetta is you know he just he just crumbles oh i mean just think about it this way like like gabe kapler doesn't criticize anyone and he just like basically wrote, roasted nick pavetta to the to, to, to the to the local media down in miami um which leads me to believe that he probably had a freak out about michael franco or something like he probably he probably blamed his whole outing on Mike Alfranco not being able to make that routine ground ball uh, double play that, I mean, listen, I also blamed him at the same time, but like <laughs> I, I am not supposed to be on the same wavelength as Nick Pavetta. Um, yeah. It's totally disappointing. And it's just like, it's almost to the point where I'm frustrated at watching a guy with the talent that he has. Like I, I put out that tweet yesterday about how he's talented and whatever. And people are like, well, does he really have talent? It's like, dude, it's 95 to 97 with a curveball that has a 2,700 to 3,000 rates per minute. Like, that's a, that is legit stuff. Like, that is talent when you're talking about a major league baseball pitcher. And him not being able to fulfill that potential is just, it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating watching a guy just never be able to learn a third pitch, never be able to take the next step forward. And this is what you, this is what you deserve when you do that. Like, this is what ultimately you deserve if you're not going to bear down and get better because that's what happened. Like he, he had underlying stats heading into this season and then didn't get any better at any facet of the game. Like usually when you're projecting a breakout, you're expecting a guy to, to learn a new pitch or, or something that would help him get better. Like usually year to year growth is a thing. And for, for him, it's just like, I'm going to be the same guy I was last year and expect the same thing as it happened. It was, it was crazy. And I don't blame the Phillies. Now, after we said all this, like getting rid of him this offseason, I think would be a stupid decision unless they're getting pretty good value for him. Like I, I can just see him going to a smart team and him figuring it out and me parading down Broad Street saying I was right about <laughs> Nick Pavetta. <laughs> so I, I, I think a smart team is able to figure out Nick Pavetta and I would like for the Phillies to be that smart team. And I, I don't I don't see the value in selling him at his lowest this offseason. I would rather bring him back and 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 just see if an off season of being humbled could ultimately be good for him. Yeah, look, I, I don't know what else will work. Uh, he might. It's possible he is a change of scenery guy. Like we see that it happens where guys just need to get out of that situation, and that's really the only thing that can truly humble them and make them realize, oh, maybe this is my last chance to make this work. But um, I agree with you conceptually. It would be a mistake to move on from Pavetta at his lowest point of value, especially because. There is real talent there. there. There's no question about that. But 
Uh, right now, he is far away yeah. from reaching that talent. And and I, of course, Ka- it seems like Kapler's willing to rip anyone who's about to head to the minors. But anyone who's going to be on the team, he is uh, a lot less willing well, to rip. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you heard Gabe, but he did mention that he wants Pavetta to learn a splitter. And I would just like to say, Gabe, welcome to the podcast. You're yeah, welcome to hop on. St- when did you start listening, buddy? Come on. Yeah, I mean, listen, this has been a thing of the podcast since for like two years. So yeah, you um, said it could be chilling. That's what you said. One member of this podcast, not me, said that <laughs> he's, a, he's a splitter away from being Kurt Chilling. And um, I'm glad that Gabe listens to the podcast. It's, it's a huge moment for us. But I would just like to like... Gabe, if you're gonna if you're gonna blatantly show that you listen to the podcast, just hire us. Like it's not it's not that big of a deal. Like it doesn't have to be a serious position. Just something like you know, throw us a little bone. Like I I could break down all your pictures. Like I, I'm just as good as I'm just as useful as Chris Young. I mean, well, talk that's about not hard to do. Talk about a waste of time. I mean, like just watching him ruin a half a season ever, Aaron Nola. And and like having Nick Pavetta throw twenty seven knuckle curves the other night as opposed to twenty one fastballs, it's like oh my god, like <laughs> like you are just brutal, man. Um, and 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 Zach Eflin, did you did you see the Zach Eflin story from this morning mm-hmm. that he went away from what Chris Young was teaching and mm-hmm. got back to throwing <laughs> throwing two seam sinkers and had his best outing since I don't know like June um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so not great feathers in the cap of Chris Young um, I tell you what like today was one of those losses where I just needed to go walk around like yeah. I just ne- I needed, needed to go patented walks yeah I just needed to take a long walk you know I just didn't want to be around I mean, obviously, Joe was with me, but like, I, I just don't want to be around people at all for this Phillies game. Like, it was, we, we, we tried to warn people about what was going to happen, and for it to actually happen and play out yeah. the exact way that we oh, laid out yeah. was just awful. It, yeah. It, look, when we were saying, oh, they're probably going to go down there and lose two of three, we were saying it hoping we were wrong and, and that joking about it might actually make it not happen. But of course it happened. (laughs) Of course. What else is it? They're the most predictable, disappointing team I've ever seen in my life. That's all they are. They're so predictable. This was so predictable how they did it, that it happened. (laughs) It was just, of course, of course, of course. It was so funny how Friday night was like, this whole season, it feels like it's been a, a, a collection of, okay, this is rock bottom. And then, Oh yeah. Well, well it's one of those things where like, I don't even know if you could make a, a list of the top 10 worst losses and be able to confine it to 10 and feel good about it because there have been just so many horrendous gut punch losses. How many, how many gut punch losses have we had since? All right. Well, I mean, opening day last year was a gut punch. I mean, 68 pitches, Aaron Ola, whatever. Sure. That was a gut punch. There are a couple. and Last year in L.A., I think there – I feel like there's a gut punch in L.A. every year. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm more – I was more going from the point of, like, how many gut punch losses have we had since uh, the – what, they have the three-run lead against the Nationals and Hector Neris blew it? Oh, yeah. In like June of last year, when he let in uh, Wilmer Defoe, the game winning hit, I remember yeah. that vividly. That was the Scherzer one. Uh, yeah, the, so many, like an 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 impossible amount of gut punch losses, 
it's honestly it's what they do. It's what they do, Jag. They it, can't just lose. They have to make it worse than losing. I mean, we've made, we've been making the joke all season here. When they lose, they lose. And then like <laughs> you know they were up seven nothing, and then it's just like and like you said, Velasquez, who up until that game had easily felt like the number three on this team and and of course you know vincent velasquez exactly what we thought he was back to being who he is i just i I, uh, I, look it was predictable this team they're just not that good man and the the funny thing is is after the whole weekend or whatever they're now again just one and a half out only a game and a half out it doesn't matter i i I honestly like, they, like they, what is this? They do not deserve to, they, they, I, here's, here's where I'm at with this team. It's like, I really want them to make the playoffs. Like I, that'd be so cool. They don't deserve it. Like they really don't deserve to make the playoffs. This team being a quote unquote playoff team would be such a travesty of what it means to be a playoff team. That's not true. This is the quickest turnaround in baseball. history. <laughs> All right. The quickest turnaround. Let's I mean, uh, anytime, anytime you can lose three straight series to the worst team in the NL um, and and lose lose Friday night on the road, 19-11, to 11, have a seven-run lead, go through all of that, and then come out today against, like, a pitcher that I'm watching, and I'm like, are you guys, are you guys serious? Like, what was special about the guy that pitched for the Marlins today? Like there was nothing special about him. If it was like Yamamoto, they even they even crushed a little bit. Like the offense wasn't really the problem. And then today happens like they're they're facing a nobody, and they they did the same stuff. I don't know, man. It's just this team is just they're a game and a half out, and they're ultimately going to be it until the end. But there's just no possible way that you can feel good about this team because you know that in the off season they have so much work they have to do. Like they have to find a number two starter this off season. That's that's how like they, they are a they are technically in the playoff hunt right now, while they have to find like at least two bullpen pieces. Um, at least, jeez. At, at least two bullpen pieces and and at least two starters. At like, least, you, at like, least. That's what that's the crazy part. Like, why are they even? How are they even in this thing? Like, that's what I keep going back to. Like, this is it's the same same exact thing as last year. How are they even in this thing? But they are, and they're only a game and a half out, and a playoff, and a and a and a September that matters will be awesome. But like, it's hard to feel good about this team. It's impossible. Like, yeah, it's impossible. Like, and I'm with you, and we've talked a lot about it. Like, I really do think that a September that matters for the players is important. I think it's important for for a lot of those guys. You know, some of them like Harper and a few others have been in playoff pushes before, but. The vast majority of those guys have never been through it. I mean, that's that's cool. That's important for them to get that experience to understand it. I, I think a playoff game itself would be so cool and so fun just to have that experience again in this city. And it would be really cool for the fans and all that. But it, at no point is anyone going to have any delusions that this team is is good or that they could actually do anything. And it just it really puts a hamper, a damper on the whole thing because it's like what are you really getting excited about here we're we're getting excited about a short-term thing that is that'll be pretty neat and kind of fun but ultimately has a 
a hard cap on what it can end is. I don't want to hear any of this. Oh, but it's baseball. Anything could happen. To you. Yeah. No, no, it can't. It can't. This team cannot win the World Series even if they make the playoffs. I'm sorry. Like, they just can't do it. So I, I, then you just think about, like, all right, once the playoffs are in, it's like, oh, like you said, Jack, how are you supposed to feel good about moving forward? We were supposed to be like, this was supposed to be like 07. We kept making the 07 comparison. This is the beginning of the excitement. Then they go on a run and then they start to build and then it builds and builds. And then it's all of a sudden this, this great run that we're on with this team that we've grown for the last few years within all that crap. That doesn't feel anything like this, Jack. Nothing like this. That's because baseball has changed so much from what 07 was. And, and the way it was like baseball. Now it is like you have the top teams and the top teams also have the deepest farm systems. Like, like that's, that's where baseball has evolved to where it's a top to bottom organizational, um, just, just a fully functioning machine. You have the analytics, you have, you have a good team on the surface already. And then you also have a bunch of guys in the minor leagues ready to go whenever. And even if this team makes the playoffs, it's like, it's like, they don't have a real number two starter. They have Spencer Howard in the minor leagues, who you hope's the number two starter. Um, you have Alec Bohm, who, you know, I mean, we hope that he can be, oh, I think he can be a number four hitter at some point. And I think he can be a key cog in the middle of this lineup. But, like, that's it. Like, when we're talking about legit high-level prospects, it's, it's those two. Meanwhile, you see other teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, like all these really, really well-run, smart teams, and they have – a loaded roster on the on the surface, and they also have everything in the minor leagues because they're not just giving away prospects like teams used to back in like 07, 08 or whatnot. So like the 08 Phillies trying to compete in today's today's league, it would be like, well, there's ha- it'd be it'd be just this team in a way. Like you would have Nola be our Hamels, and then you have a a mediocre rotation behind him, and a lineup that you hope is, can can carry you. But this lineup right now is not even not even comparable to the 08 lineup. Yeah, and and again, there's not that that you know youth to get excited about. There's not that core that you're really excited about. You know, right, you're excited like about Harper, right, like, but you're excited about Corey Dickerson, and Corey Dickerson's gonna be gone in a month. I, 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 I love Corey Dickerson. Like he's great. He's super fun to watch. He's a legitimately good hitter. That dude just understands how to hit. He understands how to take a baseball and put it where it's supposed to go and all that. But yeah, it's a, a look. I mean, he's not the future. I, it, I, look, all right, we're, we're getting we're getting into super depressive mode right now because it is frustrating that where they're at right now, but then thinking about what it means on a grander scale. But um, ba- let's get back to this weekend because it's already depressing enough what's happening, and we have a lot of time to dive into the, the lack of future and what they could do about it. For right now, let's get back to this weekend because there was one other thing, and, and I'm sure you've got some other stuff to mention, but – we got to talk about Cesar not running the ball out again today because we saw it again. I mean, ultimately didn't end up hurting them, uh, but I mean, it's just another example. Uh, yet again, I mean, how many times do we have to keep having the same discussion where someone doesn't run a ball out, Kapler does nothing about it after the game says it's unacceptable, and that's it? Like, I, I don't know. Where, where are you at with this? Um, so I don't care anymore. I just, (laughs) you're just beaten down. No, like it doesn't matter to me anymore. Like I, I I think that Kapler is a guy that is going to rely on his clubhouse to police itself. So I actually, 
I know like you expect me to come on and, and be upset about it, but I actually thought it was super impressive. Jay Bruce going over and, and kind of saying like, yeah, man, we can't do that. And, and, and in the moment, Cesar, you could just tell in his face, he knew he messed up. And when, and when Reese got around home and, and, they, and Cesar said, thank you, like you could see it in his face, how upset he was. And I understand like the, the standpoint of, Oh, like you got to hold guys accountable. But I just think I think you have to pick and choose your spots. I know he's never really picked and choose his spots, but I just think in watching Cesar, he seems like, he seems like a guy that would shut down if you kind of made an example of him and you wouldn't get the best out of him. So like remember earlier this season when Cesar was making those mistakes and just kept on snow piling and getting worse and worse and worse until eventually snapped out of it. Like I just think that's kind of what would happen if he if you made a public example out of him and also in that situation like if i'm gabe kapler right and i need to win this game i need to win this series because the, the marlins are bad you have the pirates and you have a super tough stretch and like you're taking out cesar hernandez for who like who are you putting in that situation to try to make an example quote unquote of cesar hernandez because ultimately it's going to make your team worse and i know everyone's going to bring out the brian snitaker and 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 benching Ronald Acuna. But when you bench Ronald Acuna, you still have star-level talent around him, and also you have a seven-game lead in the NL East. Like, imagine they pulled Cesar, and they put in, like, Sean Rodriguez or whatever, and he makes a huge error or a hit in the seventh inning and gets gets out and ultimately does Sean Rodriguez things. Then we're like, well, why'd you take Cesar Hernandez out? Like, I just think that... I think... I understand from the standpoint of, of... you need to make an example, but you should have made the example back in June if you're going to do that. Like back in June when it didn't, it, it mattered, but it didn't matter to the extent that it matters now. You should have done it then and, and set the tone then. Doing it right now kind of feels like a waste. And I didn't have a problem with pulling Cesar today. Obviously, he knew what he did was wrong, but you had to win that game, and there was no one else behind him that I thought they could have brought in that would have been better than just letting Cesar play. Yeah, look, I understand that. That's a very rational thing to say. And you know, that's fine. But at the same time, it's just, it's just another indictment. Like the fact that we're at this point of the season and you're right, like from a practical standpoint, you're right. But Cesar's done this before already this season. This is not even the first time it's happened with him. And you're right. Not benching Segura in Washington when Segura started that game off without running that out. Like the very first play of the game, he didn't bench him there. He basically had had signed his own, death warrant in terms of being able to bench players in games. I think you're right about that and that that's kind of where he lost it, but that doesn't mean that I have to just be okay with it because it I, I, it still bothers me. It bothers me that, that this is just okay. And I know that Cesar, like you said, he knew he was wrong and all that, but again, that doesn't mean that it's all right. Like it doesn't mean that, that, Oh, that's fine. You know, it's just, if, if there's just no accountability, there is no accountability for, and, and, and it's interesting because Gabe talked about, you know, Nick Pavetta when getting sent down, not having accountability for his actions. And he's dead on with that. Like that is absolutely true. Nick Pavetta, you know, like Gabe said, needs to look in the mirror and take some responsibility for his actions. But I just feel like there's no accountability in the locker room for stuff like this. Yeah, but I, I think just, I, but I think that's developing though. Like I just, I, it hasn't really been a problem since June. Like I know it happened early in the season, but I just haven't noticed it. Like I, I think, it, I think it's ultimate. I think it's developing. I think, I think the older guys in the locker room are starting to feel like this is kind of their team. And like seeing Jay Bruce do that, like 
I think learning from having your teammates publicly or not publicly, but privately come up, up to you and, and say, Hey, that's not how we do things here. I think that's more important than a manager coming out and doing what he, whatever he's going to do. Like Gabe Kapler is not Brian Snedeker. And, be, and if he's going to put it on his players to police the locker room, then ultimately I think that's a good thing. Like I'm, ultimately encouraged by how how the team has started to play recently friday night notwithstanding like how I just, how though how could you possibly be because encouraged? because because they played better baseball like they just have they've they've played better baseball these guys have talked about how they, they just like, lost two or three to the Marlins. they just lost Miami. two or three i know but like today was today was one of those games where it's like oh the offenses didn't show up friday night was a disaster but overall like they've won eight of twelve like I did, I did. Like, like they have. Like Man, that's just that's I, just a sure. fact. Yes, yes, sure, it is a fact. Ultimately, I mean, they've they've played better baseball in the last two weeks and or two or three weeks, and I just think that I I, I the locker room feels different since Charlie's been there. Like it just it feels like a a, a happier clubhouse to be around. I mean, Corey Dickerson's talking on the pregame show today about how like everyone's best friends in that locker room, and I think that's important. And I think I, that's important too. Look, I like, do. I just. I Again, I, I understand what you're saying. I just look. I'm done. I, I'm done believing in this team until they prove to me that that I should believe in them. Like, well, yeah. I, there's no reason. I mean, their their number two starter, Jason Vargas, right now. Like, there's no reason to. They're they're getting big outs from Mike Morin and Jose Alvarez. Like, there's no reason to believe in them. But I think we can take small signs as as hopeful or to be hopeful towards next season. Jackie, positivity. All right, what else you got from the weekend? Anything else stand out to you? Mm, from the weekend it was a great weekend friday night was friday night was just something that i never want to experience again it was the worst just <laughs> the worst i mean just the worst um i guess like from today that was frustrating was you know i feel like they they and this is goes back to chris young is that i feel like they're they develop a nice little game plan and they, and they get it going and um and and then they'll they'll they'll, they'll go in like the fifth or sixth inning, and they'll just start mixing in and only throw off speed pitches and only throw th- like curveballs or whatnot. Like Aaron Ole should be a guy that's relying ultimately upon his fastball, and I think his breakdown today was like thirty nine fastballs, thirty one curveballs, and twenty some changeups. And Aaron Ole should be a guy that's using his fastball more. And it's been my main problem with a Chris Young led game plan for most of the season is that. He has gotten away from an Aaron Nola fastball, where an Aaron Nola fastball is like, is is how everything else works in his repertoire. Like his his curveball and changeup are not good enough to where, to where he can just rely on those pitches. Like he needs his fastball to work with those pitches off of that. And today it was so weird. It was like the, the sixth inning when he blew the game. It was it was just like curveball after curveball after curveball. And I feel like the same kind of thing happened on Friday night when when Pavetta was kind of slowly unraveling. It was just curveball, 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 and it was like, it was like, I mean, this is this isn't a good plan of attack. Like, y- you use those pitches off of a fastball, unless you have like a Hector Neris like splitter. Like, you still want a fastball to kind of set the tone and then and then move on from there. And I just, I think it's weird how they just get away from from Aaron Nola's bread and butter as the game goes on. Um, and I just, I, f- I don't, I don't like the idea of most of the staff pigeonholing these guys into being a certain way they're not really letting these guys be the players that they have been growing up i mean zach Eflin's a perfect example of this i like the idea of of forcing fastballs up in the zone is good but if a guy doesn't feel comfortable throwing that like ultimately it's not going to work and i feel like maley was kind of big in that way too maley was big in in his way or the highway 
and it feels like Chris Young's kind of the same thing with the pitching staff. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was as as a frustrating Aaron Nola start today. He was mostly good. It was just his fastball location was off all day, and then all of a sudden he went to only throwing off speed pitches in the sixth inning. I was like, what are we doing? Like you have to you have to throw your fastball. It's the only way Aaron Nola's uh, successful. Yeah, it was incredibly frustrating, especially. You know, when Hoskins hit that homer, and it's like, oh, my goodness, Freeze actually homered. This is so exciting. I forgot what that looked like. And you're like, Gary, we're good. Aaron's on the hill. Shut this down. And and then uh, so quickly uh, it went away. One other thing I forgot to mention from, from prior to the weekend, the beginning of the weekend, but um, uh, where are we at with Baby Harper? Are we? Is it, does all of Philadelphia hate Baby Harper for keeping Bryce away this weekend? Needed you, Bryce. Actually, I mean, the offense didn't even really need him until today. You could have used him today. You need three days, Bryce. You couldn't take two, really, buddy. <laughs> well, I just want to. I want to know where the picture is. Like, I just think I am surprised there hasn't been an announcement yet. I would have expected. I mean, is the baby born? Like, what happened? We know nothing. Yeah, I mean, I hope everything's okay. I mean, Me too. Me too. And obviously, I'm kidding. I'm as someone who was there for the birth of his daughter. I'm totally okay with Harper missing some time to be there for the birth of his kid. No problem with that. It was a bummer the, that the he people wasn't there, aren't sure, the people aren't sure if you're if you're actually on board with him <laughs> being away from a Marlins series. So the people want to know, you know, if you're it was okay a real bummer. It was a real it, bummer. That's what yeah. I'll say. It was a real bummer. Real yeah. Bummer. So I mean, hopefully we get an announcement soon, so we know everything's you know good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long this. The, I don't even know what's going on. But me either. I'm surprised. It's a, either a super long labor or or whatever. So fingers crossed. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, think about the pressure. I mean. They're birthing someone who's gonna be, is gonna be, uh, is already, what is it, birthright to your daughter Zoe? So yeah, there's a lot, there's I mean, a lot of a pressure lot of going. Treasure, I know. Yeah. Zoe's pretty amazing. So yeah, there's a lot it's of a, pressure going on right there. Great point, Jack. It's a great point. <laughs> no, really no good point. Yeah, no problem. All right. Um, hypothetical. Uh, if the Phillies, which again I'm not expecting them to, do, but with the Pirates coming up this week, if they sweep the Pirates. Will people be back in again? Or will it just be a roller coaster, or will it be something where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm Dude, good. I've done on, this. Come on. You, you know people are going to be back in. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I will be. I think it's going to take more than sleep. This weekend time. really took it all out of you? Man, I look, I wasn't as far back in after Boston as you were. It just, I don't know at this point, why should I believe I wasn't even far in after Boston. After Boston, I said they're going to lose two or three. You did. So exactly. So why should I believe that they're going to go on? Uh, even if they sweep the Pirates, why should I believe that's a that's well, a thing? Well, because the Marlins own us. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. The the Miami Marlins, the worst team in the NL, own the Phillies. Yeah, they do. God, we've, lost, we've lost three straight series to them. I know. I know. It's really bad. It's really bad. It's, it's embarrassing. It's Is the it, different thing about this way. That it could, it ultimately could, their inability to, to beat the Marlins could be what keeps them out of the playoffs. Dude, if they didn't play the Marlins at all this year, they're three games back in the NL East. Yeah, it sounds about right. That's insane. They're the worst team in the National League. <laughs> uh, bro, oh God, it's so brutal. It, it really, I'm so down about it, Jack. I really, I'm just in a bad mood about it. It was really a disappointing weekend for me. With the Phillies here, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, today, today was just like, oh, we're just not gonna hit, and we're just gonna get ready for our getaway day. That's, that's really, that's really the, the the path we're going down. Yeah, it was, it was an 
I mean, it was predictable. It was awful, on brand, but also brand. predictable. I don't know what you people did. You people expect a, a run by this baseball team or not? I mean, they're only allowed <laughs> to win four games in a row. They're not al- allowed to win more than that. God, uh, how fun it, was that Bryce Harper walk off? The good old days. Yeah. Well, hopefully he'll be back tomorrow night. Uh, all right. Final thought. Or you got anything in the note bag before final thoughts? Um. No. My only other stuff was about like I hope that, like I just. I don't like the pigeonholing of of guys on this on this team. Um, you know, I, I think that I think you have to let baseball players be baseball players, and you can't force everyone to do what you want them to do. And and just stop, just stop going away from Aaron Nola's fastball as the game goes on. Is my final uh, final thought before final thought. Love uh, it. <laughs> like it just like today. It, like, did you, the sixth inning today just made no sense to me. It was like we're just going to start throwing off-speed pitches for no reason, and we're going to go away from your fastball, which is like your bread and butter. Is like you you paint your fast, and his fastball location wasn't even good today, but it was getting better as the game went on. And then the sixth, it was like, oh, here's a fastball, here's nothing, and here's a bunch of off-speed pitches, and uh, here, just sit back on this and drive it. I don't know. They made Starlin Cash like Starlin Cash is going to be the most innocuous player with three thousand hits. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like embarrassing to the three thousand hit club, and they should just redo the Hall of Fame if if we're only counting three thousand hits because Starlin Castro shouldn't even sniff the Hall of Fame. Um, but that team just kills us, man. Like I I watch that team, and it's like, oh, Gary Cooper is going to kill us. Oh, Brian Anderson, even though he got hurt on Friday night, is probably going to magically have his have his wrist fixed so he can come back and kill us on Sunday. Um, like, Starling Castro always gets a big hit against us. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then everyone out of their bullpen, I'm like, oh, this guy would be our second best reliever. <laughs> like, like in the, in, there's a small part of me that's, like, semi-jealous of the of some Marlins players. <laughs> oh, man. That's how, ba- that's how bad this is. Like, they brought that lefty out of the bullpen today. I was like, oh, this guy's disgusting. Yeah, it's good times, Jack. It's really it's not, this is it's not good times at all. I know. It's I'm awful times. All right, what's your final thought? I'm done talking about this team. You're done. To, wow, you're, you're throwing in the towel. Well, for tonight, I'm tired. Up oh, and I cursed. <laughs> and I'm gonna have to edit that out for all the people who are high up tonight. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, I'm tired, Jack. Uh, my final thought is that uh, is that Adam Hazley's swing is getting too long, and. Uh, this is what happens when you when you're not around Jason Ochart for long periods of time, and Jason Ochart will probably be the, the team's hitting coach next year. Um, yeah, his swing's just his swing's just super long right now. It's it's uh, his top hands flying off the bat, which we never really saw. Like when when Hazley was going right, he kept he get both hands on the bat all the way through the swing, and was staying strong. Um, and also, I'm I think he's I think he's batting like one. Like one eighteen, I want to say on breaking pitches. So trouble with the curve, Hazley. Not a big fan. Um, but he's just, and then I just think I think his swings long, and it's crazy to me how you can just get sent down, even though he wasn't really sent down, but he got optioned to AAA and was physically at the San Francisco airport ready to fly home when they called him back. And it's crazy how much that that just ment- mentally messes up a player. And uh, they should probably consider not doing that next year. They should probably think more about these players as human beings and not um, just assets. All right. I'm with you. I think that is a – we've seen that happen multiple times this year in terms of the way they think about players. All right. My final thought is Zoe just started crying because she's mad because I'm mad. 
Because this team is making me mad, Jack. Oh, did you so. force her to watch all nine innings today? I got to go upstairs. All right. I'm on Zoe <laughs> duty now. My final thought, rate, review the podcast. I love all of Hyops Nation. I do not love the Phillies right now. Hopefully they sweep the Pirates and we'll be, you know, fake in again. Later this well, you'll be fake in. I'll be all in. All right. Can't wait. Until then, <laughs> he's Fritz. I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you later.